Thursday night on the fan pregame, Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan, Ailish and Justin, busy night tonight. Red Hot Canucks continue their East Coast tour against the Penguins tonight on Sportsnet, 7 p.m., followed by Calgary and Arizona at 9 p.m. Leafs are in Long Island tonight. We'll have Josh Cloak join us on our Leafs pregame show at 6.30. Help us tee that up. Martin Jones getting his sixth straight start, but Samsonov back in the mix, back in the fold. We'll get into that uh, a little later in the show. We're also tracking the big news of the day. A little bit earlier in the morning, broke that Bill Belichick is out as head coach of the New England Patriots. Uh, Saban, Carroll yesterday, Belichick today, 24 hours, major, major changes in the football world. Herm Edwards is going to join us in a couple moments here, legendary former NFL head coach. Um, Justin, out of all those three things, what was most shocking for you in terms of the Football carousel we're seeing. Yeah, the news of the day, certainly Bill Belichick. And I you think were shocked it's, about that? I, I was, we felt uh, like it was no, going to happen. I, I, it wasn't shocking. Uh, I, I definitely expected it to happen just because everybody else was talking mm-hmm. about it. But when it happens, that's when you like fully yeah. immerse yourself <laughs> in the reality, right? And you start reading and recollecting and all that stuff. And, and clearly, you know, you can say, safely say that the greatest NFL coach that we've seen at least would mm-hmm. be Bill Belichick, but I think also one of the most like complex people that we've ever covered in sport. Like generally, especially coaches too, you kind of know what they're all about. You can get mm-hmm. a pretty good read on who this person is and what they really care for, what they stand for, how they coach, how they treat people. Bill Belichick, I feel like I know it's absolutely nothing about even after almost <laughs> a quarter century leading the best NFL team in terms of success in my lifetime. So it, it's... It's a fascinating story. It's a fascinating career. Uh, and it's not one that's necessarily over yet. There still could be another chapter here. Uh, we'll begin to unpack the chapter that has just closed with Bill Belichick, with Herm Edwards, uh, former NFL head coach and legend, of course. Herm, thanks so much for jumping on with us today. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> three coaches that um, I'm pretty familiar with, two of them in the NFL uh, ranks and one of them in college, um, uh, decided to step away from it. That's 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 a tough tough to watch those guys. I've known those guys a long time. Okay, so uh, we just uh, or I don't know if you heard, but Ailish asked me which one I was most surprised about in terms of what we've heard in in, in the news world this uh, week uh, in the football world uh, to be more specifically. So uh, I'll, I'll turn it around on you, Herm. Which one was most surprising to you, looking at Carroll and and Belichick, and of course Nick Saban in Alabama? Well, probably Nick. Because um, you know he's in a he's in a pretty good situation down there as far as um, uh, it's his program I and mean, everyone knows that um, he seems to always uh, recruit good athletes. Um, but I could see with this new way of college football, it's hard to keep your players anymore. You know, college football players have free agency. It's called the portal, <laughs> and so you can you can lose players all of a sudden. You know, the guys you thought you could keep, you can't keep them anymore. Yeah, I wonder for you that that change in college football, do you think that it had to be just maybe the end of the road in terms of Nick Saban being like, I've done this, it's changed for me, um, and maybe the, the luster isn't there anymore, maybe the challenge is there and he's done it all, he's won it all, like, you know, maybe a great time to go out on top. And with that football scene changing, do you think that, you know, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, like they have landing spots you can already think of, or is it a bit of a time of reflection where maybe there isn't someone that just walks in the store and fills these seats? Well, I think it's a time of reflection uh, when you get when you get to where they where they have have gone and, and what they've accomplished. 
um, you know, and, and better days of your life are behind you, not ahead of you. And I'm one of those guys saying the same thing, you know, because, um, you know, I'm, I'm around their age. So you have to ask yourself, do you want to continue to put that kind of – because they don't know how to do it any other way. It takes a lot of energy to do this. They, they don't know how to take shortcuts. They're not shortcut guys. This is why they've been so successful along with having good players and, and, you know, people around them. But I just think it comes a point in your life when you get to that number that they're at, look at it and you go, do I want to continue to do this? Or do I want to maybe just pump the brakes and, and, and watch it from afar and do something else? So, Herm, we want to dig into Belichick's career uh, with you a little yeah. deeper here. Uh, and I think we have to establish one thing first, and that's just – where you rank Belichick, like, is this the coach that did it better than everyone else? And if so, how did he do it better than everyone else? Well, I think in the era that he coached in, I mean, he's got to be right up there with, with, with you know, with, with Shula and those type of guys. I mean, what he accomplished. I mean, it, 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 when you say it, it's hard to say. He went to nine Super Bowls, mm. won six. <laughs> I mean, think about that. I mean, if you're a Patriot fan, for 20 years you lived in Camelot. You thought that the, the parade that they have for the Super Bowl, you just thought that was a regular parade. Well, we don't go this year. We'll go next year. I mean, that, that, that is quite, quite a feat. Uh, that, that, I don't know if that ever be done again, to be quite honest. Mm. But he did it, you know, he did it in a way where um, he understood um, how he wanted to play football. Obviously, that guy that was playing with him, that is retired now, he was pretty good too. And I think if you look at any any coach that had some longevity and had a lot of success, who was his quarterback? Hmm. Right? The quarterback was generally there for a decade with him. You go back to Shula, uh, you can go back to any quarterback, that uh, any coach that had success, long-term success, especially in the NFL, the quarterback was probably there as well. It's kind of a working, you know, working relationship. Even more now is more important. Back 30 years ago, it was defense and a running back. You still had to have a good quarterback, but the running back was the guy. Nowadays, it's the quarterback. Make no mistake. When we look at Bill Belichick's resume, and, and it, there still could be more to be added, uh, but if we look at this as a reflection point, uh, there's a lot of winning. There's a lot of winning. But mm. is his biggest success for you that longevity, the ability to do it on such a consistent basis and to find something that works so well and keep it moving along so smoothly? Is that maybe like the way that you evaluate what Bill Belichick did best as a head coach? Well, I think not only that, that that's one, but I think you can't lose sight of this. Look, he, he was coaching in the seventies when I was playing. So he's went through generations of, of, of players and players are different now when they compared to how we played in the seventies. I mean, when I was in the seventies, I came in the league in 1977. Well, he, he was coaching then. He was actually at college. He was at Michigan State with Nick Saban. <laughs> so there, there, there was a different athlete then. And you coached athletes different then. An athlete couldn't ask you the question why in the era that I grew up in and played in. You, you never asked Coach why. You just did it. Well, he, he, he dealt with different generations of players and has been successful. Not only that, you got to look at all the coaches 
that got opportunities that have come off this tree and became successful, whether they were coordinators, position coaches, head coaches, all the coaches that came off this tree. I mean, that's part of his legacy as well. Uh, yeah, I think the longevity thing is interesting because in football, and, and you certainly know this, Herm, like you have to have the buy-in from your players. And you have to do that if you're Bill Belichick across generations, across the evolution of the game. And yet this is a guy who isn't all that friendly, isn't all that cordial, at least in front of the media, right? So like, it, does that like not add up? To, for you, or do you know why that does add up and why the fan or the person who has no experience with Belichick uh, uh, wouldn't see or the blind spot would be there? Like, how does a guy like Bill Belichick, who's a little crusty, earn the respect across decades of different uh, generations of football players? Like, uh, put the puzzle piece together for me. Well, it's real simple. A player wants to be successful. And what are you asking him to do to be successful? And when you can do that, a player's going to buy in 100%. I've always said it's not so much about the coach. It's, it's more about the players. Are you willing to massage your system and put them in a system where they can be successful? Well, if you think about Bill Belichick's teams, a lot of these guys were, were guys that, look, some of them were starters. Some of them only played 10, 15 plays. It really didn't matter. A player wants to be successful so he can stay in the league and make a living. And Bill Belichick had a way of doing that. He gave you a role. Maybe you played 20 plays. Maybe you played 60 plays. Maybe you only played 10 plays. Didn't matter, but he had a role on his team for you. And if you were willing to do that, you could have success, make a living, win. That ain't all bad. Uh, We're chatting with Herm Edwards, legendary uh, football coach. Uh, You coached against Bill Belichick uh, in the early 2000s when you were with uh, the New York Jets. Uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. how it's all about, you know, you're, you mentioned like you can't separate Tom Brady from this, of course. Right. And I know when you're preparing for the Patriots back then, you're preparing for Tom Brady. But was there like a mystique with Bill as well? Like, I, I know it's like maybe it's the well, Patriots mystique, and I know there's Tom Brady mystique. But when you're thinking about and you're preparing to face Bill Belichick yourself, how was that different from other coaches that you had head to heads with? Well, you always you always knew you're going to see something different, hmm. and halftime was a big adjustment period. We were able to adjust. And you think about Tom Brady. Look, we we, we are the team that that basically unleashed Tom Brady. Bledsoe was a starting quarterback, and they played us up in New England, and we knocked Bledsoe out, and then comes Tom Brady. When I was with the Jets, he comes running in the game, and that was it. Here comes Captain America. And nobody knew what was about to happen. <laughs> and so uh, we're the team that basically unleashed him. He was sitting on the bench. He wasn't even playing. Bledsoe was a starter. When we look at uh, the era post Tom Brady, uh, obviously the success hasn't been there uh, for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Other than Bill, Bel- uh, other than Tom Brady not being on the team, what changed? Like what other? difficulties or why did he lose his fastball and where did we get to the point where he's no longer a head coach of the new England Patriots? Is it just losing the franchise the, maybe the best, the, the best football player to ever play? Or was there some other things, some cracks in the foundation that were exposed uh, when this happened in the last couple of weeks and, and to now him no longer being the head coach? Well, when you have a great quarterback, he, uh, he covers a lot of flaws for you. Mm-hmm. 
as far as players do, right? And his defense was still pretty good. Their, their problem is when he left, they never had stability of that position. And so now games become very, very hard to play because the room for error is not very good when you have a quarterback like Tom Brady or a really good quarterback. Um, you know, they, they, they mask a lot of mistakes for you. He lost a lot of coaches. Coaches were going to get other jobs. I mean, that's what happens when you have success. All these things accumulate. And you think about his success over time. If you do it long enough, you're going to hit some rocky roads. I mean, his road was rocky when he first started with Cleveland. Right? Mm. I mean, and then he went to New England, it was rocky. First year there. And then all of a sudden, Bledsoe gets knocked out, and Brady gets there, and they find this relationship, and we've seen what they just, they did. They created history. So it, it's, you know, it, it's just tough to, to continue to win at that level when you don't always have the best personnel. Uh, you know, you lose, you're always losing coaches. It, it just makes it difficult, and everybody's, when they play you, they're excited about playing you because you're playing the New England Patriots. Yeah, I mean, it's exceedingly difficult in the NFL to stay at the top, and he did that through the evolution of football, through personnel changes, losing coaches, having to pay really good players more money and having to make sacrifices on the roster, putting the roster together yourself. I mean, that is a lot and impossible to do that at the highest level forever, uh, and yet he did it longer than most. I wonder, though, for you, Herm, watching games now, how much of it is like Belichick's doing, what you're seeing on the field just in a regular game? And we talk about the contribution a certain player would have for football, you know, changing this offense and now everyone adopts it. When you look at how the game is played now, how much of it is Belichick's doing? Well, I don't know if it's so much of his doing. I just think uh, time has evolved in football. Mm-hmm. You know, the forward pass back in the 50s and the 40s, it was obsolete. And as generations continue to play this great game we call football, um, you know, it's it's evolved to a running league, which the running back was like the guy. He was the star. Um, You built everything around a good running game. Now you still run the ball, but you got to have a quarterback. But it's about that guy. I mean, you know, we sit here and watch the Detroit Lions. And if you were watching Detroit Lions, you'd say, you know, they got two runners rush thousands out of that running team. You know Jared Goff threw the ball 600 times? He threw more passes than any quarterback. And you, when you watch him, you think, oh, they just run the ball. No, they throw the ball, too. You got to throw the ball in this world that we live in that we see that we call football now to score. You still have to run to win. But to, to, to score points, you got to throw the ball. And if you can't do that, it puts too much pressure on your defense. Can't hold up. We're only a few hours into the what's next for Bill Belichick era, era, but I wonder for you if there's something that uh, might be an attractive switch for him. Is it another NFL head coaching role, which there are there are a couple. There's even a massive NCAA head coaching role available. Is it just time to chill on the couch? Is it time to get in front of the TV and and uh, see Bill Belichick on our screens? Where do you think that he ends up if he does decide to make a move anytime in the next couple months? Oh, I think he's going to go back to coach. Why wouldn't he? 
yeah. the all-time record is sitting right there at 19. I just think it's a matter of w- w- where the fit is. Mm. Someone was asking me today, I said, well, you know, everybody's talking about the, all the jobs that are available. There's eight jobs right now. But just, just close your eyes and, and, and ask yourself this question. What if, and I hope it doesn't happen because I'm a good friend with this coach, what if the Dallas Cowboys lose in the first round? Mm. Interesting. <laughs> Is there a, a... I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, uh, uh, look, I hope Mike wins it all. But that would be interesting. That's kind of one of those that nobody's kind of looking at, and I'm going, eh? <laughs> you never know. Bill Paul Sarris went there, too. There's certainly, no, no. A, oh, sorry. Sorry, Herm, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 you go right in. Just, you know. No, the Cowboys one is interesting. It's something that we've definitely discussed on this uh, on this show ourselves. Obviously, that that one's not sitting available at this moment, but there are a couple. Um, if you had to look at a team that maybe Bill Belichick could come in and actually make it a, a meaningful impact right away, you know, you mentioned that he's only a few wins away from the all time record. Is there an attractive fit uh, that you could see him stepping into and being able to to chase that record? I think for him to chase the record, uh, he's going to have to sit down with ownership and figure out exactly what his role would be and how much power we have in that organization. And I don't even know if he wants all what he had before. Mm. He might just want to coach, right? He might not want to have to make all the decisions. Um, then the next question he's going to have to ask, ask himself is, okay, who's the quarterback? And if he's not in the house right now, do we have access to get a quarterback? where we had to get a top five quarterback, right? Because that, that's going to, I mean, we know he's going to build the defense. We get that part, but he's going to need a quarterback. And he knows it. He just went through it. He, he just went through it without maybe one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. So he understands it. It's not like he doesn't understand it. Not saying he can't. And you don't have to have another Tom Brady because <laughs> there's only one Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. But I just think that you've got to have that guy. You've got to have that piece of the puzzle. And when you have it in place, it's much easier to build your team when he's in place. Yeah, looking at the current vacancies, New England, of course, Washington, Las Vegas, the Chargers, Atlanta, Seattle, Carolina, and Tennessee. There is a former first overall pick, a recent one at that included in that list. But I think in terms of established quarterbacks, I mean, the only one there that's appealing would be the Chargers. Uh, and Justin Herbert. Last one for you, Herm. Uh, the Alabama job, is it an impossible one to take over, or is it the best and most attractive job out there for football coaches? Well, I could think, you know, here, here's the problem with both those jobs, with Alabama and New England. But since you had said Alabama, who are you following? What's going to be expected out of you, mm-hmm. Right. I mean, look, we, we understand it was Bear Bryant, and then, you know, then all of a sudden Nick Saban got down there, and okay, he turned. But, you know, you're, this is who you're following. You're just stepping in following Nick Saban. So, what is this runway, whoever this next coach is? How long will you allow him, will you give him three, four years to get a recruiting class in there? He's going to have to be a heck of a recruiter, and he's going to have to understand this portal. Because now to have the, the portal is part of, you need a guy on your staff that's almost like a general manager. 
that is looking ahead of already not this year, but next year of college guys that he knows are going to leave teams because they don't like the situation there. Not so much high school guys, but other college players. It's easier to go get a college player than it is a high school athlete in college anymore because he's got experience. Why would you want a freshman? I go get me a sophomore and sit behind this other guy, and he can come here and start. I mean, this is a that's a whole different world now. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what 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 <laughs> what happens. Yeah, it will be fascinating with Alabama and uh, New England as well. Two legendary coaches moving on and big, big shoes to fill. Uh, Herm, we really appreciate you coming on with us today, and uh, hopefully we can do this again down the road. Anytime. My pleasure. You have to have a good evening. Thank you. You as well. That's Herm Edwards, uh, former head coach in the NFL with the Jets and Chiefs, and, of course, does some great work for ESPN. Yeah, it's uh, been a crazy 24 hours. Lots of shifting in the football world from NCAA to NFL. Uh, we will definitely keep you updated if there's any more movement. And, you know, this this upcoming weekend, definitely tee that up tomorrow. Uh, some massive games on the schedule. Uh, maybe some teams are eliminated and some spots become open. Lots to come. Uh, let's take a look at what's later on in the network tonight. Vancouver and Pittsburgh, of course, on Sportsnet. Uh, that's a big one because Vancouver is just on this crazy East Coast tear. Uh, and they got the Penguins tonight. They... They look like uh, a number one or two team in the league, which they currently are. Uh, see how they can go up against Crosby and the Penguins. Yeah, the conversation with Vancouver all season long, since they like blew the doors off Edmonton <laughs> to start the year, was like, okay, you're going to come down back to earth uh, eventually. So I kind of looked at what their season has looked like through 41 games in 14. It'll be you know the, the 14th game of the third segment, but three 14-game segments because they started out so hot, right? So the first 14 it kind of was skewed a bit by those wins over the Oilers, 10-3-1 and, 10, and one record. Mm-hmm. They had a 61-31 and 31 goal, uh, goals against, or goals for versus goals against, with so plus 30 goal differential. Crazy, uh, uh, crazy good goaltending, but a negative expected goal. So it was like they were over their skis just mm-hmm. a little bit. The middle 14, it was like, okay, this is more like it. 8-6 and six record, plus 4 goal differential, only scoring 46 goals to 42 against. But their expected goals was up. So it was like, okay, they're maybe a bit unlucky, but this is kind of what we expected. But in the last 13 games, it'll be game 14, as I mentioned, tonight against Pittsburgh as they play game number 42. 9-2-1, 53 goals for 33 against, plus 20 goal differential, a positive expected goals, and the goaltending up as well. So everything suddenly (laughs) working in this last 13-game stretch where it's like a little bit more sustainable. But at the same time, it's closer to that record that they had when things were going a little crazy to start the year. So I I think that they've proved that they're legitimate, and I like them tonight, plus 110 on the road in Pittsburgh. I I think the Canucks are legit, and halfway through the season, I think they've proved that to everybody. Um, I've got a pick from tonight's Knicks and Mavs game on Sportsnet 360 at 8.30 p.m. Uh, Loved, loved, loved seeing OG thrive. As hard as it is to say that, I feel like this trade has been a win-win. Uh, the Knicks are 5-0 and since OG moved over to the Big Apple in 10 games prior to OG's debut. They were 4-6, and uh, 123.2 points allowed per game. Since OG's come into the fold, they're 5-0 and uh, with him, uh, nine, 97.4 points allowed. So a significant difference in terms of that defensive ability that we know with OG. Uh, he's plus 111 through his first five games as a Nick. First and only player in NBA history to have a plus-minus north of 100 in his first five games 
I like him over four and a half rebounds tonight. Uh, it's just minus 105, uh, 105. Nothing's nothing too fancy. I'm just trying to get back to winning. Uh, Mavs <laughs> near the bottom of the NBA in rebounding stats. OG's been on a tear. Uh, looking forward to watching him. You know, he's blossoming. But also we can say as Raptors fans or here that cover it in the city that I think that we got just equally as, as good of a return. So sometimes win-win trades, you can feel happy for both sides. Yeah, I don't know how. I know the Knicks liked Emmanuel quickly. I, I don't know if they were souring or had soured on R.J. Barrett. But we felt a certain way about OG. Mm-hmm. But after this trade, I think both sides are Everyone's not happy. longing for what they once had. Like, mm-hmm. I think everybody's happy you can't mess with the results on either team the Knicks undefeated the Raptors playing a completely different brand of basketball this could be a rare win-win I like that a lot um we're gonna chat Leafs on the other side of the break our Leafs pregame show Joshua Cloak from the Athletics gonna join us Leafs on the road in Long Island last time they were there John Tavares 1000th point we're gonna get into that and more all on the other side of the break on the fan pregame